Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. My episode with Cassie Wilnauer today is a dash of talking about New Year's resolutions, a bit of talking about how to talk to your kids about sex, a little bit of religious puritanism talk as well. I call this episode Don't Resolve to Punish Yourself because it's the new year and a lot of people are setting New Year's resolutions and I explained why I'm not really a fan of New Year's resolutions, often because of the way we're setting our intention for them. It's less about trying to grow and learn and oftentimes more rooted in punishing ourselves. So we talked about ways to switch your mindset a bit in the new year. We also talked about what sex can look like if there's no penetration. And we touched base on a online phenomenon some of y'all might have seen, which was jump humping. Talking about that in Mormonism. She's a mom of two little ones, so we discuss what are some age-appropriate ways to educate your kids about sex and bodies. Biggest takeaway there was just be cool, okay? Just be casual, don't freak out <laughs> when they say or do things. And we also discussed if dripsticks are okay. Check the show notes for her contact information. And you could also find more information there about her podcast, Sex at Every Size. If you would like to stay up to date on what I've got going on, whether that's workshops, blog posts, new pitch articles, other people's podcasts, etc., I want you to please subscribe to one of my, if not both, of my email newsletters. I do have a safer work. You can put pretty much any email in there that you like. But the not safe for work, the dirty bird list, I do ask that you make sure you put a personal email address in there. The, the work filters may filter that shit out. It's a little more risque than my safe for work list, okay? As you can imagine, I mean, I call it the dirty bird list. My workshop that I've got coming up next is called Better Sex. It's a six-week workshop designed to help unlock the better lover in you. Doesn't matter if you are single partnered you're in a thruple or more it does not matter your age it does not matter your gender identity none of that stuff it's for everybody and we're going to cover a lot of topics think of this as a dash of adult sex ed a bit of relationship advice we're going to talk about kink we'll talk about vanilla stuff too and everything in between you can go to my website you can go to any of my social media channels Look for the link in my bio, and there will be links to my Eventbrite for better sex. Don't forget to catch my January column, Toy Story, in the pitch, Casey. You can pick up copies on newsstands now, or after January 14th, 2022, you can find that article online on thepitchkc.com. All right, on with the show. Enjoy this interview with Cassie Wilnauer.
My friend Cassie Wilnauer is joining me today on Keep Them Coming. She's a psychotherapist based in Kansas, and she specializes in issues around sexuality and body image, and also has a podcast with her sister, Haley, called Sex at Every Size. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here, Cassie. Hi, I'm very glad to be here too. Thank you for being on this show for real, because we are headed into the new year. Welcome 2022. I, that just feels weird. I saw, I saw a post that said, um, didn't realize 2020 was a trilogy, but here we are. I saw that one too. That's good. That's good. It really does feel like it's that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> Groundhog day is not appropriate anymore. It's just that 2020 became a trilogy. Yes. Yep. Ah, well, you know, January is typically when we see a lot of people start making those New Year's resolutions, often based around body, body image, things that they are physically doing, including exercise. You know, everyone kind of knows the gyms go crazy. Uh, even in COVID times, I'm sure they're still going crazy right now with gym memberships and new members. Yeah. Oh, they've got to be. Uh, but I have to say, I am personally not a fan of the New Year's resolution. Yeah, you know, the my favorite part of this time of year and all of the rush around like exercise and whatever is really just that like leggings go on sale. <laughs> I will take advantage of that. Um, <laughs> otherwise, no, I'm not super, um, you know, like there's nothing wrong with like setting intentions and having a plan and knowing what you want to do with your life in the coming year. And I love, I think that like, maybe that's just like a cultural thing that like we're just so we love a clean slate we love mm -hmm. the idea of like starting fresh doing something new I am such like a junkie for like a good notebook a good planner like <laughs> I am so that person I'm the person that's like like stockpile like <laughs> notebooks and stuff I'm like no no that one's really good. I can't use it yet. I have to have a really good reason. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That saving the special things for later and later yeah. never comes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I try to be better about that. But yeah, um, so I, I do get the allure of all of that. I love all of that. And I don't, you know, if you want to set intentions and uh, make a plan, go for it. But if, if the plan is around restriction, mm -hmm. Uh, please don't just don't just don't do that exactly exactly I mean there's I've already seen okay I will say my Instagram feed is pretty finely procured mine is as well and I love I, that about Instagram yeah <laughs> I do not have a bunch of ads for like cleanses and new year stuff but I have seen a few that those things on like Facebook and even on TikTok um I am not a fan of the cleanse of any form. And I don't just mean like a drink cleanse. I mean, like I'm cleansing my life of this thing. And maybe there's some positive things to, you know, be cleansed that way. But goodness, the, I think when it's based on some form of, I did something wrong and I'm trying to punish myself. Um, I don't have like the willpower before, but now I'm going to have the willpower when it's the, based in those things. That's when I have an issue. I also just think like that idea of willpower is such garbage. It is. It is just absolute garbage. And I just think, is it, if, if we're coming at it from that framework, we're coming at it from a framework of shame and shaming ourselves. Mm -hmm. And shame is just not a great motivator for change. Like it's just no. not, it's, 
it's not incredibly damaging all. to all the different ways that we like want to have change occur in our lives and I hate it I hate that idea that it's like oh well like if we can make ourselves feel bad enough then we'll definitely not want to do x y or z um so I'm a big fan yeah. of Eckhart Tolle and the power of now Mm, and how he talks about when we're residing in this state of like shame and guilt it's often because we're living in the past we're Mm -hmm. like reliving the things that we didn't do or things we did too much of you know the choices that we didn't make that that didn't produce the result that we you know would have liked to have had by now you know and I think that especially relates to how we treat our bodies around diet culture yeah and what a hindrance that is, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's not, it's just a huge disservice because you're not actually like using the time that you have now. Maybe you were sleeping before, right? Like maybe right. you really were like uh, completely not engaged in the things that you should have been or, or, or that would have actually brought you to where you are. And we can focus on that, but to what end, you know, what purpose is that going to serve? Yeah. And I just, you know, I'll, I'll see clients in my office that are struggling so much with like their bodies and feeling like they aren't deserving of pleasure because their body looks a particular way or, Mm -hmm. or feels a particular way or whatever. And I just think like, yes, but like, how many different iterations has your body gone through and were you ever happy with it? Was it ever good enough? Mm -hmm. And is there a point at which you get this body and then you're like, oh, here it is. Now I deserve all of the things. Bingo. Usually not. Usually not. Did you watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. Remember? I did not watch the the last season because I'm like still holding on. I'm still like holding on. because <gasps> You I gotta just... watch it because I think this is actually from the last season oh, where okay. she's telling Stevie, you may have seen the meme or the clip. She's telling Stevie like, take as many nude photos of yourself as you possibly can because mm-hmm. one day you will look back at yourself and think god i was just stunning we often don't give ourselves one enough grace two enough nope. pre- appreciation and i do love people influencers like and i don't mean to really call her an influencer but that's truly what she's become is like lizzo Mm-hmm. in the body positivity movement. And I don't, uh, I don't want to even say body positivity movement. It's just the, the acceptance of who we are and where we are and shutting out a lot of the other voices. Well, and it's also just extremely powerful for us to be able to see um, like bodies that look like ours in all kinds of different contexts. And I think, um, you know, and I imagine that I want to say that you probably had to do this as a part of your training to become a certified sex coach, but did you have to do like the sexual attitude reassessment? Yeah. Okay. So when you do that, right, like, and I know that not everyone's like familiar with that, but what it is is essentially like this immersion into a bunch of different kinds of porn Mm -hmm. so that you are able to experience the shock factor now in a safe environment, as opposed to when a client comes in the room and says to you, like, I like to wear a diaper and have my partner change that or whatever, right? Like whatever Mm -hmm. thing sexually might exist that may repulse you. And I kind of think like, it's almost the same function in our brains to expose ourselves to all kinds of different bodies. Like that you know, it's like when 
you know, you are older and you're like, wow, like I should have really enjoyed the body that I had then. It's like, yeah, but you should enjoy the body you have now. Like, yeah, let's, let's lament the fact that like, I don't know, tying our shoes isn't as easy or like, my God, I can't do anything without having some kind of ache or pain. Right. And I'm only in my thirties. Like, <laughs> right. Like we could, we're allowed that, but also like, we don't enjoy your body. Enjoy yeah. it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what, like, it just doesn't. And I think exposing, having that exposure. So when you were talking about like your really curated Instagram feed, like I have the same thing. And I notice a huge difference when what the algorithm is giving me is a lot of um, like straight sized people, a lot of people that all look the same, a lot of white people, a lot, right? Like when it all looks extremely homogenous, it's just like, okay um yeah and I can feel that and I, I feel the same thing like when I watch a show like if I don't watch a lot of television because I have young children so we watch a lot of kid shows in our house unfortunately um but when I watch tv shows where everyone in there is thin everyone in there is white or whatever I'm just like I notice I like just don't feel that great and it's small things it's like just little tiny negative comments that I'll hear my inner voice throw out there about my own body and I'm like well who invited that woman here today that's not what we're doing <laughs> yeah I admit you know I, I'm still deprogramming things because like seeing old photos of myself where I was like super judgy about myself like I have seen pictures of me of so many different sizes and I look at all of them and just like gosh why wasn't I just nicer to myself then it's not even about where I am now when I'm observing the photo. I think what gets me most is like, no matter what size I was, I was not nice to myself in my thoughts or my actions at the time. I was doing something, whether it was participating in diet culture or just, you know, letting pervasive thoughts, you know, further my depression or things like that. Yeah. I also think like zooming out a little bit, and this is, a much deeper part of that work of dismantling the diet culture within us. I think that zooming out and really looking at like, how is a person that lives in a body that's larger than mine? How am I contributing to their oppression by like continuing to focus on, I don't know, like the extra weight or whatever. That's Yes. And I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine about that a couple of years ago. She's always been bigger bodied and I was being down on myself about a swimsuit and she actually looked me dead in the eye. She's like, so then what should I wear? I was like, well, whatever you want. She's like, bingo. She's like, but you being hard on yourself, you see it as you're just being hard on yourself, but really you're being hard on everyone else around you at the same time. And I was like, mm, you were <laughs> right. I also just have such a rebellious spirit and there's just such a part of me that's just like, wait, who the hell decided? who decided that we were all supposed to look that way and that that was the only acceptable way to look. And that um, if we don't look that way, then we're not attractive. We're not worthy. We're not, we shouldn't, we shouldn't wear a swimsuit. You shouldn't, I don't know, go to sky zone and jump on the trampoline with your kids because that. like you're fat mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to do that. And it's just like, who says? I mean, aside from the peeing my pants thing, I think <laughs> it should be fine. <laughs> like, and honestly, that could be taken care of with like a real big vaccine pad. We're good. <laughs> like, or pelvic floor therapist, which we can talk yes, about later too. too. Yes. <laughs> Although, yeah. I don't 
can they help you not pee on a trampoline? Like I just, the force is pretty extreme there. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been on a trampoline. So I think that, that that's a great question. We can pose that to them on their Instagram for sure. Yeah. I've got a couple of them we can reach out to. Sounds great. Um, yeah, I think that, again, circling back on the New Year's resolution mm -hmm. thing that when I think it's cool to set aspirations or intentions so long as they're not based around you're punishing yourself for something from the past. You're not residing in shame and then making choices based on that. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I know like, and this would have been like pretty early on in my like intuitive eating journey, I guess we'll call it. But like there was someone, it was, it was back in the days when I was on Facebook. So <laughs> that was a few years ago, but they had said something to me like, or they had posted something like, I'm really trying to eat better. Like, what are some things that you guys eat? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, I think anytime that I feel like I need to change the way that I eat, I try to think about what I can add instead of what I can take away. So mm -hmm. if you're, you know, and obviously like if you're really paying attention to like what what your body wants like you're going to have cravings for things eventually it takes a while to get through like the muck of the intuitive eating and like breaking down all of the years that you spent like telling yourself you had to eat vegetables and you know whatever mm -hmm. but eventually your body's just going to be like hey um can we have some freaking fiber <laughs> like, <laughs> right? i really need some fruit right now yeah your yeah. body will tell you yeah your body really will and i think so much of that is about trust um and I think if we start a New Year's resolution from a place of shaming ourselves for not getting a thing done that we want or not being where we wanted to be, um, then we're not we're not allowing space to build trust. Um, and that's really important. Yeah. Like how if you cannot trust yourself, I just it's hard to have a good sex life. It's hard to have like all of the things. That was where I wasn't going to mm -hmm. take it that there's, you know, what listeners who have been following my show for a little while, if you listen to the episode I did about diet culture with Lucy Rowett, that purity culture, diet culture, they are so intertwined. And yeah. you I deny am yourself of all pleasure. You don't deserve it. You don't, you need to have it just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bingo. So, I mean, you, you work with singles and you work with couples in your I practice. Do. And I'm just curious, like, I, I know you probably get your fair share of people who have deconstructed, but you do also get people who are still like in their faith and still practicing their religion who are trying to figure out why is sex not good? Why am I not orgasming? Why are our libidos different? You, you do have people like that, right? Absolutely. I do. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of, a lot of what I try to help work on with those clients who are still very much committed to their faith is really talking about the parts of the faith that are serving them that they are finding to be like very useful mm -hmm. um and then finding ways to apply that and also helping them to be like okay so if you learned x y and z from your youth pastor or whatever when you were 15 and that was really problematic for you okay um here are some verses of your religious text that actually kind of fly in the face of that so 
so which is it like do we believe this person do we believe this text like where i just try to get kind of a little bit more literal Mm -hmm. um, and really breaking things down it's like where where did that message come from that you were not allowed to experience pleasure? Where did the message come from that you were not allowed to enjoy sex and that sex was a thing that you just do out of service to your partner? Um, and is that a thing that is that a thing that you're really still holding? Is that is that still where you live today? Is that where you want to be? Um, because that's not about being like, hey, so did you know that your religion is bullshit and completely fucked you up about sex? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. We can't meet them there, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not here to steer you completely away from your faith. Um, that's just not my goal as, as a therapist. My whole goal is like, if this is a part of your core values, great. But let's figure out which parts of it are a part of your core values. Because you might have not gotten that message actually from your faith or a lot of faith is about interpretation and how you know are there different ways that we could be interpreting these things mm -hmm. um but also often it's like you know there'll be one verse that gets kind of distorted and used to shame and then um you just kind of skim over the ones that are totally opposing that belief <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's just like hey how about you open that up and read that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean Truth be told, a big part of why I walked away from being Baptist was because of the people and the things that the people were saying. It didn't actually have to do anything with what was in the Bible. It was what the people within the religion were saying I needed to believe. And if someone is still within their yeah, they're still practicing their faith. Like, I think that everyone deserves to have a happy, healthy marriage, a happy, healthy sex life, all those things. I don't think that, you know, it's exclusive to people who have deconstructed, obviously. But at the same time, it's it's gotten all like intertwined. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. it's causation. It just means that things are kind of convoluted is how I yeah. see it. And when things are convoluted like that, it can be a real challenge to get through to people to release some of the, the information and energy that got put upon them that gave them these attitudes without, like you say, telling them like, well, so here's the thing. That's kind of <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily the most helpful thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Right. So with say a, a couple that's coming, oh gosh, masturbation being one of the big things that I know Mm -hmm. It's huge for a lot of Christians that they are. I mean, that's a lot of what I've gotten on like my TikTok and my Instagram when there has been negative feedback. Like, oh my God, trying to do masturbation month on TikTok was nearly impossible. Oh no. I yeah. can't even imagine. You had I, to have you had to have gotten so many videos taken down. I got so many videos taken down, but I I figured the workaround for TikTok. What is it? You either say or put it in print. This is for educational purposes. Like put it on, you know, mm -hmm. on the video. Um, the times my videos have gotten taken down now, uh, if they have that on there, they'll get restored. If they don't, they don't get restored. Oh, okay. But I've read, their, I've read their guidelines and nothing that you and I have ever said or done is actually against their user guidelines. No, because it's not, it's not here to titillate you. Okay. Like it's information. Bingo. If it does titillate you, guess what? You're a fucking human. Congrats. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
I think that yeah. we can all be responsible for our own titillation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, you TikTok, for your assistance. But yeah. we're good. And, <laughs> and anyone saying like, well, there are teenagers on here. Guess what? They'll need this information one day too. They should not be limited to the access that mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything on there that a teenager shouldn't have already known or heard about or no I, like, I agree I just I like they're they're going to have this information at some point I joke often um that I am the mom whose kids will either like my kids friends they will either send like the parents will either send their kid to my house so that they can get the information or they will not allow them to come over <laughs> there probably won't be much in between if we were yeah. having kids it would be the same thing yeah <laughs> So when it comes to the masturbation aspect of like living within a relatively strict faith, like, again, I think it is important to ask them like, so point out where those messages came from. Be very specific. Is there a verse that you can point to that you can say like, this is exactly how it was. But then I also think just as I would any other client, I want them to define, define for me, like, what is sex? What does sex mean? If you are experiencing a tremendous amount of anxiety as a vulva and vagina owner about having penetrative sex, how can you still have intimacy with your partner without that? Mm-hmm. And and what is that going to look like? Are you okay with that? Like there's a million, if, if, this, if the issue is having babies, we got ways to make babies without that thing ever having to go in there. So like, right. And and really free ways, or at least relatively ex- inexpensive drugstore method ways. <laughs> like we can make this happen. It's not that like that's not actually necessary. So, do you have to have that? And then where is that coming from? And then I think that can be like this nice like side door entry into the masturbation conversation. Because it's like if you're never going to do that, how are you going to experience? Like, how are you going to know your body enough to tell your partner what feels good? And why is it, why is it your partner's responsibility to know what feels good and to make your body do all of the pleasurable things that it may have the potential for? Why is Mm -hmm. that their job? Mm -hmm. Um, And conversely with them, why are you responsible for doing all the things to make them feel good? Like, why are you each in charge of each other's pleasure? mm Mm-hmm. Precisely. And I think that those are really important conversations to have. And that's kind of like a nice way to have this conversation. I kind of think it as like a parallel conversation that's going on with their faith as well, as opposed to like this, like beating against a wall, like really conflicting kind of conversation, because then it really allows them this space to sort of deconstruct the parts of their faith that they do or don't agree with. And then determine what parts of those are actually like things I really truly believe in and which of those are just like the thing that the youth pastor said to scare us from having sex. Like, <laughs> Yep. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. I, it gets me all the, remember a couple of months ago when there were the videos about Mormons jump humping? Yes. So to explain to the listeners, jump humping was this notion of like, Mormon kids, especially college kids, thinking that they're they're right with God if they simply put their penis inside of a vagina. If they don't move, they'll just put it in. And then like, yep, then it's not really sex and they're still right with God. So jump pumping is when maybe your roommate or your friend jumps on the bed, therefore creating the thrusting or the movement. So it's not you. It's not you doing it. It's friend doing it. 
All I can think is how dehumanizing that is maybe for the vulva owner, but I mean, also the penis owner, but really for the vulva owner that it's just like, just because like you and I obviously know a lot more about what's going to actually bring a vulva owner pleasure. And I just think, wow, is that not at all about her pleasure and her experience? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are more men. And I'm not saying she didn't want it or didn't want to participate. I'm not saying that was consensual. I'm just saying like, how freaking out to lunch are we? <laughs> and, and, and it's all it's all just focused on function and action, not a not about pleasure. You know? Yeah. It's all just about functionality at that point. Yeah. That's mm, it is yeah. It is odd. It's like, you know, guys, like you could just masturbate alone and no one will know. Maybe you just go do that. <laughs> or mutually masturbate and show oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't care. Just do that. Like, yeah. but there are a lot of religious kids who have gotten pregnant because their parents will tell them don't kiss don't they'll tell them all the wrong things like that'll get you pregnant that'll get you pregnant that'll get you pregnant and then they don't actually know that penis and vagina intercourse is what gets you pregnant yeah that's frightening and that they don't know ejaculation exists yeah no my uh no my children will not be those those kids they will definitely know thank you Well, I tell you what, let's take a quick break. And after the break, we can talk about some of the things that you can do to instill like healthy thoughts about your body and about sexuality and development and even setting some groundwork for healthy relationships with kids since you've got two of them. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about a few other things, I'm sure, especially like some of our experiences on TikTok as sex educators. (laughs) Sounds great. Okay. It's time for a quick break. I promise it'll just be a minute, so stay tuned. I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid. All right, so back from our break. Uh, Cassie is a mom. Uh, I am not. And I do get asked a lot about how can I make sure that my kid is growing up with the information that they need. I think that the biggest fear parents have is that they're giving them too much information too soon or not enough information and then it's too late. They're they're always trying to strike this balance of giving them age-appropriate information, not overloading the kid. And I think sometimes they're trying to not create too many questions for themselves or trying to avoid the awkwardness. But what are you, what, first off, how old are your kids again? So mine are five and almost three. Okay. Um, so, so little, <laughs> they are little. Yes. But at the same time, there's, there's things that you can start instilling in little ones. And, and I'm sure you've thought about what you're probably going to do. Cause you, especially as a, uh, <laughs> therapist who specializes in human sexuality, like you're thinking about all the things and you've gotten the training as well. So, yeah. So we talk a lot about, you know, what's nice about kids is like, if you're, if you, have them yourself or at least get them acquire them at a very young age like you get to start really small um Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you get to start by having those conversations that are just um really basic like my daughter did ask me the other day wait how does a baby get inside of you Mm -hmm. and I was like it grows there and she's like yes but how does it grow there (laughs) I was like Mm -hmm. well a sperm and an egg and she was like oh okay, 
she didn't ask any more than that. She didn't ask where the sperm comes from. She didn't ask where the egg is. Like we were able to just have that conversation. Um, but there's other things. Like I know some moms are very like private about their bathroom time. I'm not one of those moms because my kids are extremely needy. So like see me in the bathroom and like my son isn't even quite three yet. And he like, I was on my period and I was taking care of that. And he was like, mommy, owie. And I was like, nope, no owie. Like just have my period. And he was just like, okay, no owie, <laughs> like, you know, like you don't actually have to provide a tremendous amount of information. Mm-hmm. So you get to kind of like, just let your kid guide you on how much info to give. Like, I didn't really have to have a sex conversation about where babies come from because like, I was just like, well, a sperm and an egg. And she was just like, okay. <laughs> and that was the end of it. Um, I mean, there are going to be harder questions. They are going to eventually not not to relent and they will be like no no I'm gonna need the deeds Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but hopefully by then like they're they can probably be trusted with that information and even still like you can still start small like they don't just because they understand like penis and vagina sex doesn't mean that you have to like go into like oral and anal sex and like everything like you know like it's okay eventually they probably do need to know about those things so they can know how to have that kind of sex safely but like <laughs> it's yeah. just little drips and drabs. <laughs> right. And of course, you know, calling proper names for yeah. body parts. That's to me, I think pretty basic. It um, is really basic. Something for me that I think was really important too was like I have a little, it's not in this desk, it's in my desk at home. I have this little like model, 3D printed model of like a clitoris, and it was mm-hmm. just like sitting up on the shelf above my desk at home. I've got a couple of those behind me right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so my daughter was like, what? that this was maybe she was four and a half she might have already been five at this point but she was just like oh what is that and I was like oh well it's a clitoris and she's just like what is it and I'm like oh it's just like a part of your body it's a part of your vulva and she was like oh okay (laughs) and like eventually we can talk about how that how that part brings pleasure um you know if she had asked more questions we might have had that conversation then like mm-hmm. she did ask me like well where is it and I was like well you can't see most of it from the outside of your body you can only see this little tiny part and I showed her and she was just like oh okay <laughs> you know and Very it's good. just that's just how it is we also talk about how there are I think it's five people that are allowed to look at or touch your vulva um, with her. And so that's like the doctor, if I'm there, um, me or dad, grandma, if mom or dad isn't available, but something is wrong, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and we do include that, like you are allowed to touch it because if we don't talk about how she's allowed to touch it, you're going to have the kid that goes to the phase where they don't wipe after they go to the bathroom because they're like, well, I don't think I'm supposed to touch it. Right. Like there's just basic stuff that needs to be done here. Like hygiene like and like they also need to know that they don't need to carry around shame if they do happen to touch it um and and there have been times where she's like digging around in her pants and I'm like are like we need to make sure we wash our hands afterwards and I probably don't need to be in the room while you're doing that so you could go to the bathroom or your room (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and so we just like have super low-key conversations like that um with my son he's still in diapers and we talk about okay we need to wipe and I will ask him like do you want to do it or do you want me to do it and you know we kind of do that he's also started to get in the he's in a naked phase Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's like um 
and he'll like have a blanket over him like after a bath or a towel over him after a bath and he'll just be like and he's like acting sneaky because he's very sneaky right now and he'll you'll ask what he has and he'll say nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so like the other day we're like what what do you have and he's like i i i, I touch your penis <laughs> mm. <laughs> whatever like okay <laughs> sometimes that feels good buddy <laughs> yeah like okay whatever like oh yeah, my god so much honestly so much of um parenting around sexuality issues is just not freaking out if you can coach yourself to not freak out about something that you are already anxious about like you're going to be just fine yeah one of my guests on a a former episode uh Natasha Rhea Elskari was talking about her little boy and how they were in the living room and he decided it was naked time and he I mean, he's like 20 years old now. So she's describing when he's like four or five. He's like rubbing his penis on the couch and then he rubbed it on the table and he rubbed it on the couch and he rubbed it on the pillow. He's like, she's like, what are you, what are you doing there, son? He's like, mom, this feels so good. And she's like, you know what? You're, you are correct. It does feel good to rub our genitals on things. However, this is the living room and, and this is where we have guests. Now in your room, however, you can rub your penis on anything you want. She's like, I did not see him for about four hours. <laughs> But you know what? He learned a lesson that day. Well, I mean, you know, like... giving them the sounds like you're trying your best to give them enough space to feel like they can certainly ask you anything. You mm-hmm. are being matter of fact without feeling like you've got to just give them all the information. I think that's where a lot of parents that come to me and ask for advice, they get really overwhelmed, is feeling like, well, if they ask where babies come from, they're thinking that they've now got to explain what a sperm and an egg nope. is and how that Let happens. And the, the, <laughs> nope. just kind of like you're in court, just answer the question. That's it, exactly. Right? You're on the stand, <laughs> so just answer directly. Don't elaborate, just answer the question. Yep. <laughs> and I really, I kind of follow that when it comes to questions about god that come up with my mm-hmm. kid where she's like she asked the other day something about like where is heaven it's like god <laughs> right? we don't know <laughs> yes so it's just you just start off very like very basic and they will figure it out and they'll figure yeah. out that they can come to you because you've had the conversation it's also kind of the same stuff with like body talk diet culture kind of stuff like my kid and I talk about this on one of the episodes of my podcast, but she she said something like that you get fat from eating too much. And I was like, oh, like, that's actually not true. Who told you that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where'd like, you learn well, that? Not always true. Like, everybody's body is just different. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of how it is. And, you know. Mm-hmm. Like mommy's body is fat and daddy's body is fat, but like we just eat until we're full and it's just kind of how our bodies are and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like it's really hard. Cause I think you just have like this knee jerk, like, Oh God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with any of any of those topics, but you don't, it's, it can just be simple. It can really just be simple. Yes. Yes. And I, well, I think that there's, there's still room for having the the bigger conversations, like having them read a, a book that's about like how our bodies develop or, you know, talking about like your friend that might have two gay dads and, and that kind of stuff. I think there's a time and a place for sort of setting the tone and, and giving the lessons versus just you got to let them come to you with curiosity 
and explore that curiosity with them. I also think like you just, you don't own your child's sexuality. And the sooner that you can recognize that and own that and just accept it, the better. So like Mm -hmm. with my own, with my daughter and she's, she's so funny. Like for her fourth birthday, she got like the big Rapunzel doll. And the first thing she said is I'm like opening it up. She like touches the, the doll's chest and she goes, she looks at, she looks at her cousin. She goes, I like her boobs, Evelyn. Oh, well. <laughs> and it wasn't like a, she was attracted. It was like she, and she's talked so much about how she can't wait. She just can't wait until she has boobs, right? And like, so I know that's what she's thinking. And she had this Easter dress that year too, that kind of had like, it was mesh up here, but had like a sweetheart neckline and then mm-hmm. mesh up to the neck, you know? And she was like, it kind of looks like I have boobs. <laughs> like, and it's just like not freaking out about that. Like she's mm-hmm. allowed to be excited about her body. She mm-hmm. is. And sometimes when it comes to like the diet culture, body talk, body image stuff, it's just not squashing that out of her. Like I remember feeling the same way. I was so excited when I got my first bra. I was so like. Me too. I so wanted such- boobs. I wanted yeah. nice big boobs. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I just remember that, but then I also remember like feeling kind of ashamed of it. Like I wasn't supposed to feel that way. And Mm. I'm just Mm -hmm. hoping, Mm -hmm. yes, crossing my fingers that every single day that my kid can be excited about it and not also experience that shame. Yeah. So I admittedly, I don't know if this is just my Capricorn or my only child nature, but I've always felt like that kind of kid who I knew that certain things were like dirty or I was supposed to feel ashamed, but I felt like, yeah, but I'm like the bad kid that's like into that thing. And <laughs> so you have a rebellious spirit as well. <laughs> very much so. Yes, very much so. I don't think I could have ended up in this industry if I didn't have a somewhat rebellious streak in me. Yeah, I do. Right think now, there's... pleasure is rebellion. No, it really is. And I think I really do want girls to grow up knowing like sex is for them. Like I remember seriously, seriously wondering for a great part of my adolescence, like whether or not female orgasms were real. (laughs) Like I remember genuinely wondering that. Right. And then like, I, honestly, the weirdest part of it that I was experiencing them all along. (laughs) Maybe that's, maybe that's not real. Maybe that's something else. Maybe that's right. Like, well, especially if we're, we see wherever we may end up seeing it, if it looks like an overinflated version of it, or it's just simply the way that that person uniquely comes, everyone comes differently. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I just, but I can remember like really truly like being like, maybe that's not, maybe that's just not a thing. Right. And it's just like, I didn't have my first orgasm until I was 19. I was not, because again, the purity culture stuff, I did not masturbate. I was having sex before I was masturbating. I don't think that's uncommon. I really it's not uncommon. Um, but I, eh, so many people are like, so wait, you were a super horny kid, but you never humped things. I'm like, no, it just never occurred to me to like hump a teddy bear or hump a bedpost or hump a, a pillow even. Hmm. See, I don't know what's maybe what's normal. Like I, I experienced inappropriate behavior by adults as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, like if I organically would have done those things, if it had not been introduced to me by someone. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't, that's, 
that's complicated but I know tons of kids do just yeah. organically because it's like well hey that feels good but you know what that's mm-hmm. a really good point with the religious stuff because like I I've had clients who come from like really high demand religions and they will have begun masturbating in a way that didn't look like masturbating right it was it was something different it was doing something with a pillow or an item of clothing or uh whatever and they're like well and and then if they like got caught or had to repent or had to tell someone about it or they were asked about it if that was a thing that, that for whatever reason was happening um and then their parent or their faith leader that was doing the questioning about that might have been like well I mean, you're not using your hands, so I guess it's okay. Like, and then yeah. it's like, or or they had, or they had a different reaction where it's like, oh no no, like, and then they freaked out about it because that's a really big deal. And it's just like, we don't even have like the same definition for what masturbation is across the board. How the hell are we having the same definition for what sex is across the board? Mm. And that is why I really turn to those particular clients and just say like, hey, what even is sex? Is it an option for you to just lay next to each other and do what feels good for your own bodies next to each other so that you can like take the pressure off of the penetrative sex and still enjoy each other and then build your way up to having that kind of trust that you feel comfortable enough for the penetrative sex. And yes. Yeah. That's what I recommend to a lot of clients to scale it back, not think of penetration as being the only form of sex, like exploring yeah. everything under like sex being an umbrella. And intercourse is one of the things that's underneath of it. But like, what else is there? Getting them to remove intercourse from the umbrella for a time being and explore Mm -hmm. everything else that they have available to them. Yeah, super important stuff. It can be very important to get people to sort of back off of one thing or or just take the pressure off of doing one thing. And that could be intercourse, that could be oral sex. Oh yeah. It can be all sorts of stuff. But if you just take that off the table, focus on other things for a little while like it can oh I my also gosh, think change about, things for people which i just watch a lot of like crappy reality tv because i just need something light <laughs> <laughs> but i was just watching a season an older season of uh, married at first sight and they kept talking about how the woman had the one of the female partners had never had an orgasm before and the husband was like we're on it we're gonna do this I'm gonna make it happen blah 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 and she really took it as it being his job to make it happen Mm -hmm. and all I could think was like that's not really how it works like your partner just provides like the the best possible context for an orgasm to happen but you're the one that makes you and your body are the ones that make that happen yes Um, they're like a co-facilitator perhaps but ultimately you are the one unleashing your orgasm that's it like they they can facilitate but they can't just there is no oh well if you're if you're and that's so much pressure to put on a male partner as well and I think that's such a big cultural problem is like well if you didn't make her come you're bad in bed and it's like no like maybe today just wasn't the day maybe her feet were cold maybe she just could not stop thinking about that goddamn dish that's sitting in the sink maybe like or it's just like a different part of her cycle and she's just, it's way harder or she just started an SSRI or like a million different reasons. Mm-hmm. Or you're just trying to squeeze in a quickie and her vulva hasn't had enough time to warm up. Right. There can right. be a multitude of reasons. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the orgasm gap is real, but there's lots of ways to work through it for yeah. sure. And what we just talked about is is basically the the primary way to do it. Scaling things back 
learning what pleasure really means to each of you and exploring pleasure, not exploring intercourse, not exploring a certain sex act or anything like that. It is just about exploring pleasure and it looks different for everyone. Yep. All right. So you've also got, so I mentioned in your intro, how you've got your own podcast, Sex at Every Size, and you've got season one out and that's with your sister, right? It is. So she is a registered dietitian. Ah. Um, yeah, she's a registered dietitian and she really practices from a health at every size lens. Um, I've had a few people ask if they can see her. She doesn't currently do any private practice stuff. She's got a job at a assisted living facility, I think mm-hmm. it is. And yeah, no, it's fabulous. We have a really fun time recording it. We kind of talk about like different things in pop culture um, that are going on as far as like perpetuating fat phobia um, and things like that. Um, and I know that sounds like kind of a downer, but then we like answer a, <laughs> answer like a listener question. Um, and you know what, I, how I really think about that segment of talking about the pop culture stuff that's going on is like, just kind of like, if, if there's something going on in pop culture that has made you feel bad about you, I want to show you a different perspective. Like I want to show you a different side of what that conversation could be so that you realize like maybe it's all just actually some diet culture silliness and we don't need to feel, Mm -hmm. we don't need to be taking that on. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of how I view that. And then like, we'll answer a listener question about sex, sexuality, their relationship, um, body image stuff, whatever. Um, It's a ton of fun and, we have a section at the end where we end up telling little anecdotes about ourselves and yeah, it, it's fun. Um, we're silly and goofy and um, we have, we have fun with it. I think you've got to be to talk about these kinds of topics because if we're yeah. just getting too serious, it just, it doesn't, we're trying to shift our mindset about something. And I think when mm-hmm. we have a little bit of levity in with that, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I think so. And then with TikTok and Instagram, like I have a love-hate relationship with it. I I feel myself being victimized by the whole, like the mental game that it plays with you. Like I feel myself getting sucked in and I feel myself like getting that dopamine rush when Mm -hmm. you have a video that's doing well, or you get a lot of comments or a lot of traction. Um, And then when you don't get that for like a week, because like you had a video taken down and so now you've been I guess they call a shadow ban. Yeah. Um, although I know that kind of doesn't have a firm definition, but but you can kind of tell what happens. Oh yeah, <laughs> you, you can, can tell absolutely. When you can tell yeah. when your stuff isn't getting sent out to a larger audience because you're not getting the likes that you just did on a previous video. Or um, so yeah, I struggle with that. I also really I struggle a little bit with keeping up on it just time wise, but also because I. I am, I analyze everything and I'm like, okay, am I putting this out here for a good reason? Does this make sense? Um, Like I was stitching videos a little bit for a while there. And then I started feeling like kind of eh about that. Cause I don't necessarily want to stitch something just to like shit all over what someone else said. Mm -hmm. I don't, but then I also do kind of want to like argue that point. So I don't know. I think I just, I get in my head about it and then don't just make, don't just make the damn content. So yeah. it is, there is a lot of stuff there. You can go and look at it. I plan on getting back to it. I just. It's hard just, to keep showing up when you get censored over and over again, but you, you still have good feedback on other things because people mm-hmm. are super appreciative of the information. And like, I've had to, I've had to really push through on TikTok. Like I'm legit one 
banned video says one banned video away from having my account permanently deleted. And I'm at like 20 million views. So That's freaking scary. It is scary. So and I, like, but then even us having that conversation, right. Makes me feel, get into my head about like, you have 20 million views and that is a big deal. And I'm not discounting that, but also why the fuck do we care about it? You know? And so then I go through that right. spiral, right? Yes. Like it's just yes. such a, like a mental game that is that I get sucked into and I think sometimes isn't the best for me and so then I just like let my ADHD take over and I go through a spurt where I love making videos and then I don't and then I do and then I don't and that's what works for me for now I have a couple of ideas on how to combat some of that and be a little bit more consistent but yeah yeah (laughs) I um I did make a backup account so at least there's that that I can then just if it does get deleted I'll just start throwing things Mm -hmm. on there just probably put old videos up yeah but like I did have to check myself about what my intentions were with my TikTok it really truly is to empower other people and educate people like oh I love the questions that I get in my DMs and and I do get emails too so I got Mm -hmm. my email up there are definitely some people out there that I'm like oh you're just this sweet little 20 year old and you haven't gotten any information about sex or relationships and you know they're seeing how appreciative they are and how much they've learned and that is what I totally live for I am in it for the likes but only because I know that means that more people see it and then I mm-hmm. help more people mm-hmm. so once I realize that yes I truly am here because it's about getting more information out to more people because there's so many people out there to help then like I, I felt like okay I'm all right in trying to focus on this for a while and see what I can make of it. Mm-hmm. Like I got banned from the creator fund for six months while I had several videos go viral. So I again, had to check myself about, okay, am, am I here for the money <laughs> or am I here to help people? And that's well, what got me yes, through that but, six months. And so I think that's why you have to commit to letting your social media be a thing, be the content that you are providing for free. That is the service that you were giving because you cannot work with one-on-one clients for free. That's not sustainable at all. Like you have to eat too. So yeah, I, I mean, and that's really, that is really how I have viewed the social media aspect of what I do is being able to provide like a lot of information that is accessible to a lot of people that wouldn't be otherwise but yeah it's just complicated right it's hard being a sex educator on the internet yeah you do kind of have to go back to exactly what you said where it's just like no okay why am I doing this yes I'm doing this for that reason does is this worth getting mad about if this is the reason that I'm doing it Mm -hmm. yeah and as I told you before we, we were recording, I'll tell everyone else that's maybe a sex educator that's listening. If you put, this is for educational purposes in, in print on your video, or you say it at the beginning of your video, if it gets taken down, it'll get restored because by user guidelines, you can put these things up if they are for educational purposes. So there we go. Love it, that. Even, it even says you can do nudity if it's for educational purposes. So, and I've never had that. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing it's more of like, I think conceptually they're thinking about certain things, but as a sex educator, I'm thinking about other things. So, right, right. but I'm not going to put that up. However, their guidelines say that you can technically do that. So I'm not even trying to like toe that line. I'm simply trying to no. say things like masturbation or even just say the word penis. Yeah. So are you finding that you are able to say those words if yeah. you put up the disclaimer? Mm-hmm. Yes. So you're not like coding everything that you put on there anymore. You're like, I do say segs instead of sex from okay. time to time. Um, 
but yeah, I've been saying, I've been saying the things and saying the body parts and getting okay. away with it. So good, good. Yeah, they still keep taking down every video I ever do about awkward essentials dripstick. <laughs> I love that product. I really do. I saw some, I saw a, uh, an OBGYN Jen Gunther, I think. Uh-huh. Dr. Jen Gunther. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She talked about how she doesn't like the dripstick because she's like, she said that it was like disrupting the pH. I uh, mean, or it it's... could. And I'd like, uh, there were reasons to hate, hate on it. So like, could the semen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so that was my thought about that piece of it. The other part of it was like, do we really need like a single use item when you could just have a stack of washcloths on your nightstand? And I'm like, okay, that's fair. But also like, sometimes you just like, if it really bothers you, sometimes you just want the single use product to make your life easier. It's like when you just need to use a tampon because that's the kind of period you're having. Exactly. (laughs) Like I, yes, I have tried to go as eco-friendly as I can (laughs) in my life, but I cannot do the menstrual cups because I have long ass fingernails. And sorry, that it is hurts. tricky. No, it is. It's tricky. Yeah, I my nails are always trimmed. My period. <laughs> yeah, no, like this is short for me. I'm showing Cassie on the camera, but like this is short yeah, for no, me. You have long nails. Yeah, so I don't like digging for things. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it is totally just a comfort product. A hundred percent, simply yep. a comfort product yep. that it I is use not a only a couple of times a month ways for that. Mm-hmm. exactly and plus it's only up there for one minute yeah so but yeah i think that the semen is just as likely to change your ph balance as the medical grade sponge i think you're probably right yeah so you know, i'm not a doctor but yeah I think you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately like if it did change your vaginal microbiome and you're mm-hmm. having consistent issues then you just know that that product's not right for you just like a lube can change your microbiome and yep. you realize that like, you cannot use that formula or you cannot use a water base. You've got to use like a mm-hmm. coconut oil bait, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, we are all different, just a little bit different from each other and we got to figure out what works for us. So yep. yeah, I totally agreed. I, I get it from the eco standpoint that maybe we don't want to keep using single use stuff. However, yeah. until if you got rid of your K cups, I think you can justify your dripstick like a couple times a month, right? <laughs> That's right. I do not have a Keurig. <laughs> I have a Mr. Clean, Miss, what is it? Mr. Coffee Cafe Barista. So oh. I, I make my little lattes by grinding it and putting it in the thing. And like, yep, no, awesome. no single use stuff there. So <laughs> good. Yeah, it's trade-offs, right? It's always about trade-offs. It really is. So, oh, well, Cassie, this has been a wonderful conversation. It has. Thanks so much for having me. How do all the people out there that are listening find you on the internet? So I am changing my Instagram handle because I just got, uh, like over the Christmas break that I took, I just got my clinical license. So my Whee! handle has been Cassie Wilnauer LPC. It is going to be Cassie Wilnauer LCPC. Um, so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and I'm on Twitter, but like, it's all the same crap that I put other, other places. Um, cause I just, it's not where I hang out. Um, you can also listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you get those sex at every size. Um, we also have an Instagram account, but there's not a lot going on there. Um, and we will be recording new episodes for that. So catch up on that first season. And then, um, we'll, I think I have some bonus episodes that I never put out and then we'll record some new and we're going to get it going. It's going to be great. Perfect. I think that you and your sister both actually would 
do phenomenal. Maybe like if you record on Zoom, do some do some TikToks of the two of you together mm. on some of this stuff. Like there's so many people on TikTok that are about, you know, good bodies, loving your mm-hmm. body at every size. Um, you know, what does nu- nutrition really mean for us? Mm-hmm. Like, like, let's talk about I sex, know. all the things. So there is a ton of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I really, and the name of the podcast, Sex at Every Size, comes from the Health at Every Size, like, um, platform of just like, finding ways to be healthy regardless of what your size is instead of focusing on body size as a marker for health just whatever and I was like oh, we can make a play on words with this I love it <laughs> so yes yeah I, I like it I like it a lot well I I wish you all the best yes do yeah. catch up on season one of sex at every size and then we'll look forward to seeing you for season two but uh i will look forward to seeing some some new content out there for you um yep. of course as i told you off air join my and any listener that's listening, you might want to join my TikTok for business class in January. Uh, it's January 18th with the Mid-Continent Public Library. And I'm just going to go through, you'll probably already know some of the things, some of the basics about posting. Sure. But I think even just talking about some of the strategies for how do you keep yourself motivated? I'll go through Certainly. some of that stuff. Certainly. Yeah. No, I'm excited. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'll look forward to continuing to support Kansas City with better sex positivity together with you. I love it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the Dirty Bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.